Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information the inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Hey, have you been at period recovery for some time now and are constantly wondering when will it come back every time you go to the bathroom, hoping, wishing? Well, this quiz will help you take where are you in period recovery and how to move forward. Take the when will my period come back quiz and you can find the link in the show notes. Please note, this episode is not an episode for medical advice and you should always consult your healthcare provider prior to making any changes. Hi guys, welcome back to the period recovery podcast. Today we're going to be talking about why or how, I don't even know how to put it, but how you've been misled to think that you really don't have a problem um, because your medical professional doctor told you otherwise. So I'm going to start off by sharing a little bit of my story and how this happened to me, and then we'll get into the many, many things I've heard over my years in practice on why your missing period isn't a problem according to your healthcare professionals or maybe other professionals. Let's see, flash back to, oh gosh, how old was I? I was in my early 20s. It was about the time before I got married. So over 10 years ago, okay, we'll just just say over 10 years ago. Over 10 years ago, I was on birth control and I had been on birth control for since I was like 15. So it was about 10, about 10 years of being on the pill. I didn't think anything of it. You know, I was fine. Doctor was fine with it. So we just moved on for, you know, over 10 years and Initially, I was put on it because I had painful cysts on my ovaries and was not getting a regular period. And this was, you know, around 14, 15, where I was an extremely active young girl doing cheerleading, gymnastics. It was said like, oh, it's so normal for a young girl to not have um, a regular menstrual cycle. I decided about around the time, I think a couple of years before I was getting married, to come off of the pill. I was like, well, I want to make sure that, you know, everything's working appropriately because eventually I did want to have children. So I came off the pill and I always had this, I had this feeling that I wasn't going to just be able to get pregnant like that. I just had this feeling. So I came off the pill no period. And doctors would say, oh, it's post-pill amenorrhea. You 
give it three months, and if your period's not back, come back to us. And so I'd come back with no period, and they would say, okay, let's, you know, check your labs or do an ultrasound. Okay, nothing's wrong here. Well, you can either go back on the pill, take progesterone to maybe, quote-unquote, kickstart, and then see what happens. So, of course, I followed what the doctor said because at that time I thought my doctor knew what was going on with me. And so I then, a couple years went by again, and I'm like, okay, like I'm not getting a period still. This is not normal. So I started to do more research. Uh, one of my other, when I was in college in my master's degree, there was a, another girl who told me she had PCOS. And I was explaining what was going on with me. She's like, oh, get checked for PCOS. So I did. The doctor actually said, you have PCOS. So I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I finally found the reason why my period is missing. So after I found that, diagnosis, which was only diagnosed by ultrasound, which is not an appropriate method or the sole method of diagnosing PCOS, I decided I needed to become even more healthy than I already was, which I was already exercising regularly, eating very quote unquote healthy. And so I started exercising even more, controlling my carbs even more like eating like virtually any carbs, especially according to my activity level. I think there was a point where I would never let myself go past 1500 calories and I was working out up to two hours a day. But uh, I didn't think it was a problem because I wasn't losing any weight. And this is also a myth. So that misdiagnosis uh, led me deeper into hypothalamic amenorrhea, HA. At the time, I didn't know what was happening. So I went back to the doctor and the doctor was like, well, you know, we can give you medication to ovulate if you want to get pregnant. And I'm like, well, I don't want to get pregnant yet. Like, I just want to know why even after treating my PCOS with diet and exercise, because that's what they say to do. I think I even tried metformin at one point. Yeah, I did. I did. And nothing, nothing, still nothing. Now, this is going years, years of trying to figure out what was going on. So I went back to my doctor again, and I said, okay, why am I not getting a period? Like, this is not normal. I know this is not normal. And this was, again, before, this was going 10 years ago. This was before the book, No Period, Now What? This is before emerging research, people talking about, you know, missing periods more often. So I was like in a big ocean and no lifeboat around. So... My doctor, my OBGYN, finally said, well, why don't we refer you to a reproductive endocrinologist in Syracuse, New York, which I'm, I live close near there. And I was like, finally, like a referral out. And the doctor, I'll never forget, I was just so stunned when I finally got the appropriate diagnosis. He said, oh, he's like, you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. I said, what? No. And I'll tell you why I was like, no, like that, that just can't be me. Um, but none of my other doctors that I saw, I saw a couple of their OBGYNs 
and H.A. wasn't even a mere fact, and this doctor was, like, right off the bat. Uh, he also was uh, not only a medical doctor, but he was teaching at uh, the local medical college nearby. So chances are he was really up to date on his research. Well, that's that's what I'm telling myself anyways. That is a little bit about my background, and going into the story a little bit more about me and my own bias, right? Uh, because many doctors, they don't know how to have the conversations about around weight and eating and exercise, and they don't want to because a lot of times they have their own bias surrounding weight and what health is really supposed to be. So when this doctor told me I had HA, I was like, no way, I don't fit the bill. So here, my own bias from my teachings in college and I can still open, like, look at the textbook that I learned about HA, and it was for women that were super low body weight, BMI of less than 18, anorexic, severe eating disorders, female athlete triad, which, you know, very, very active females. And I'm like, well, I don't fit this. Like, my BMI is quote unquote normal. I'm not an athlete, even though I was working out like probably more than an athlete, but I didn't, that was my own like bias in my head. Like, no, like this doesn't make sense. Uh, I am not an athlete. I just go to the gym all the time. I had that personal bias from school and what I was taught and I struggled for a while. I'm like, no, I'm like, even though my doctor said, this is what you have. And, and I like felt in my heart of hearts, like, okay, maybe he's right. But then a part of me also was like, no, like you're supposed to exercise every day. You're supposed to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And I wasn't losing any weight because I had a healthy BMI and my 1500 calorie diet and two hours a day exercise wasn't making me losing, lose any weight. So I must be an energy balance. And so the myth behind that is that calories in versus calories out is a crock of shit. It is can make sense in most cases, but a woman with HA at a normal weight that isn't losing any weight and is on a very low calorie diet with lots of activity, what her body is doing is being smart. And what I mean by that is helping that body survive. So if you think of like a very, we'll just say a cave woman, Right, a cave woman, and she hasn't had enough food for some time now, and her activity levels because she's traveling from, you know, one country to the next by foot. Her activity levels are very high in accordance to her intake. So, what her body will eventually do is halt all, really slow the metabolism down, and hold on to all of the remaining energy that it has. So, you know, fat stores and really preserve the things that need to be preserved, such as heart beating, lungs breathing. And so uh, there is a term and I'm, gosh, I was talking with Bonnie Roney from Diet Culture Rebel, and she used a, a pretty cool term about how sometimes, you know, calories in versus calories out doesn't make sense. And so my body was being smart and doing what it needed to do to keep me in somewhat of an energy balance to just keep my body alive. So now that I also wasn't taught 
in college. Um, so that's something I learned myself personally and now professionally through, you know, reading other research articles and stuff like that. That's a little bit about my journey, but let's talk about some things that I've heard from either clients of mine, Instagram followers of what their doctor has told them. So let's start with the first one is you just came off the pill. Expect three to six months before you get a natural cycle. This is BS. If you have nothing going on in the female department's reproductive department, your period should come that next month, maybe a month and a half, maybe. It should come right away. No questions asked. Six months, now that's really pushing it. So if your doctor does suggest this to you, I encourage you to check in with what is going on with you right now. Are you a regular exerciser? Are you a quote unquote healthy eater? And so even if you fit those two things and you're at a normal to even borderline quote unquote overweight BMI to low BMI, like HA is not uh, weight specific. Weight is a very small piece of the puzzle. So asking yourself that, seeing if you know you you fit that bill because if you've been doing this you know quote unquote healthy eating exercising regularly for some time now you have no idea when your period truly went missing on birth control because it masks a missing period and now if your ha is severe enough you may not even get a period on the pill which is a problem uh but either or if you have no period on the pill, you're not going to know because you're on the pill. So coming off of the pill is one way to find out is, do I have any reproductive issues going on? Birth control pills can come definitely come in handy for some things, but you know it can also mask a lot of uh, conditions that need to be addressed more than just by taking a prescription drug. So next one is progesterone. That will give me a bleed or that will kickstart my period. It is a synthetic hormone that you're taking typically by mouth. And yeah, it's probably going to do something to your body. But once you remove that, it's nothing's going to happen. Unless you have in the same time addressed your exercise and your nutrition behaviors. So it doesn't kickstart anything. It's a synthetic hormone. It is not going to tell your real hormones that are suppressed due to your under eating to just magically come back. It just, I, I wish it was that simple. I really do, but it's not. And so a lot of times doctors will also say, go on birth control pills to help get a bleed or kickstart things. Same thing. It's a synthetic hormone that you are taking by mouth. You remove that. It is going to do nothing. And that bleed that you're getting either on the progesterone or the birth control is not a real bleed. It is from the hormones that you are taking by mouth. And like I said, it's not going to magically take those suppressed hormones because you're not eating enough and resting enough and just magically have them come about. So, uh, you know, it's totally up to you if you want to do that. But uh, my, and now this is Again, this is not medical advice. This is just my personal opinion is that you're just prolonging the inevitable of what you need to do, which is address your nutrition and exercise behaviors. So 
the next thing is you need to be careful of how you're eating or you need to eat more, but you can still exercise. So the problem that lies within this is that if you are still exercising intensely, which is intense, we defined, and this was defined by Dr. Nicola Rinaldi, also known now as Dr. Nicola Sykes, in the book No Period Now What, a heart rate over 100 beats per minute. But now you also want to take into account that even if you do things that are you know, keeping your heart rate lower, you want to be careful of duration, frequency. But the exercise component, so say if, we'll give you an example, you're eating 1,500 calories and you're exercising one to two hours a day with minimal rest days, your doctor's like, oh, you just need to eat a little bit more. And so again, let's remember what your doctor has training in. Typically, most doctors maybe get a nutrition class and most doctors don't know about HA. And so this is where you need to start to be your own advocate and not let your doctor telling telling you that you can still exercise to use that as an excuse to say, well, my doctor still said I could exercise. Well, I mean, you can, but you're probably not going to get your period back if you keep on intensely exercising. And this is because what happens is when we are still exercising and our period is missing, we are increasing our stress hormones. And when we increase our stress hormones, those are going to keep those reproductive hormones suppressed or like just turned off. Because if you think about it, let's go back to the cavewoman episode uh, where her sex hormones are shut down because her body knows there's not enough food and there's not going to be enough rest. So it's a natural survival mechanism that our bodies will do to turn off our sex hormones so that we aren't, so this cave woman that is quote unquote exercising, she's really, we'll just say running from bears and tigers because at that time there was no gyms and treadmills, right? So our bodies though, literally you going on the treadmill and running five miles or, you know, marathon running with no period, your body's literally looking at that as a threat. So uh, that's, you know, in a nutshell, why exercise, continuing intense exercise is not going to be conducive to regaining your menstrual cycle. Another one, and I'm jumping all over the place because there's, there's so many different things that I've heard, but let me try to keep it in sort of the same realm. Uh, one of a big one is you're not that skinny. It can't be HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea. And as you heard me before, weight is a very small piece of the puzzle. And for me, I was that girl. So many of my clients were that girl that their doctors totally, you know, the weight bias of like, oh, you're at a normal weight. You, you know, could be fine. So that weight bias can go the opposite way because we all think, well, I don't want to say we all think, but I know I was taught in school, many doctors were probably taught medical school that a woman completely missing her period has to be, you know, very low body weight, low BMI. And that's not the case and not the case at all. If a doctor says you're not that skinny, it can't be HA, this is not even close to being true. And so what do you do if they say that? Well, if you're listening to this podcast now, you've probably followed me on Instagram and you know that you need to eat enough and rest enough, right? Another one, you know, that goes along with that is normal BMI. So same thing goes. You're not that skinny, normal BMI. 
borderline low, borderline high. Again, weight is like, I don't want to say let's remove it from the equation, but it's like the last thing on the list that I'm going to look for because it is, HA is much more than your body size. And another thing uh, said, this is from an audience member, is uh, you don't look like someone who has HA. Again, this goes back to body size, uh, weight bias, etc. Another one is I've seen other women work out way more than you and they have cycles. Okay, we can't compare ourselves to anybody, not even our twin sister, because we're, we're different. All right. We have different cells. We have different genetic makeup. We can't. If you find yourself comparing or if your doctor even says it, like if your doctor says that, I would say, oh, have you done studies on HA and comparing all of your clients? But I can guarantee you half of those clients are probably on birth control. So it would be even you couldn't even study that because comparing women that are on birth control to women that are off, that would not make sense. So uh, that's another thing, you know, uh, judgment on past clients because we cannot, we cannot compare ourselves in anything we do. And also too, does this doctor even know about cycle tracking? Is your doctor asking you if you have confirmed ovulation or, or if the doctor even knows about ovulation? Another thing I've heard, you've never had a period, so you won't ever get one. This is untrue. I've had a handful of clients that have never gotten one natural menstrual cycle and they have gotten their period back by giving their body enough time with enough food and enough rest. So this is, again, you know, if you were a teenage girl that had a regular periods or never had a period because you were active, a ballerina, gymnast, whatever, and now you're in your 20-somethings and still no period, it doesn't mean it is hopeless. Uh, It just means that you need to change your lifestyle a little bit. All right. Post-pill amenorrhea, I think I talked about it a little bit in my story, but post-pill amenorrhea, just like the normal, it's normal to not have a a period three to six months after coming off the pill, um, is another crack of shit. Uh, Post-pill amenorrhea, I I don't know where it came from, but it is not a thing. And if you want to have healthy bones, healthy heart, future babies that we don't want to wait three to six months to do something about our lifestyle. And speaking of fertility, doctors have also said to some of my clients, no big deal if you don't want any kids. Really? Well, just to give you, again, a background, many doctors don't know about HA. They don't know about the health implications that come along. But you're talking not only infertility, you're talking heart disease. Estrogen is a major, major hormone involved in so much heart health. You are talking cognitive disorders. You're talking, oh gosh, peeing your brains out all the time. And I'm sorry, I have to laugh about that because um, literally, you know, with decreased estrogen, you will be peeing all the time. Not really that it's a health ailment, but it's a pain in the butt uh, to go pee all the time. So heart disease, your bone health. You don't want osteoporosis at 25. You don't want osteoporosis at 55. So estrogen, you have pretty much like very little of it if you're missing your period. And so it's so, so medically necessary to have a regular menstrual cycle and make sure you're confirming ovulation too, because some women will say, well, I get periods every month. 
Well, do you know they're ovulatory? Can I also tell you so many women seek fertility treatment because they are still getting, you know, quote unquote periods, but they're not ovulatory cycles because they are so active. Anyways, off on a little tangent with that. Um, Another thing is it's okay to miss your period. No, it's not. You know, more than three months, like red flag, red flag. You skip a month, you might, okay. And then you go back to having regular periods. Not a big deal. But if this is recurrent um, or you haven't had your period in a while, something is up. You should be getting a healthy menstrual cycle each month, about 25 or sorry, 28 to 35 days and confirming ovulation in order to have the full benefits, health benefits of a menstrual cycle. Another thing I've heard, hormone replacement for the rest of my life. No, no, no want to talk to your doctor if your period has been missing about hormone replacement therapy, but it's also important that you are addressing your nutrition and exercise behaviors because hormone replacement therapy is is only as good as you nourishing your body. So um, that's important and, and emerging studies show that birth control pills do not protect your bones like we once thought, especially if you're under fueling. For the most part, I think, I mean, there's there's so many more things that doctors have said, but these are the, the biggies. And the last thing that I just wanted to mention, and I'm going to be doing a future podcast episode on it to talk more in depth, is the misdiagnosis of PCOS like I shared with you that I had. So that's important to rule out, but women with PCOS typically have some cycles um, they're usually sporadic, but a big deciding factor is getting your androgen levels checked, also known as your testosterone levels. If that's high, typically combined with um, ultrasound likely is PCOS. But just to know, many doctors will diagnose PCOS just by ultrasound because they see these tiny little cysts all in your ovaries. And pretty much, if you have HA and normal testosterone levels, that is just your body stuck in the first phase of your cycle because you do not have enough hormones to progress your body into the next phases of your menstrual cycle, such as ovulation and your luteal phase. You're kind of like stuck in the semi-quasi-follicular phase. Don't take that diagnosis if it is just diagnosed by um, ultrasound. I just want to wrap this up with saying, you know, again, this is not medical advice. This is just stuff that I have heard, um, education that I've given, you know, clients of mine. But at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway here is to not settle for what your doctor is telling you, either to get a second opinion, do your own research, be your own advocate, and then make your decision. I think we put a lot of trust in our doctors, which is fine. I don't want you to mistrust your doctor because, you know, we either have grown up, you know, maybe it's familial where, you know, mom, dad, grandparents were like, oh, if the doctor said it, it must be right. The doctor said it. Well, you know, doctors are very intelligent humans. Just like, you know, I'll give you the example of me as a dietitian, right? I don't know everything about nutrition. It's impossible. It's impossible. Just like a OBGYN doesn't know everything about the female reproductive uh, system, which maybe in 10 years they will, but 
they should, right? And um, I just don't want it to, you know, I don't want you to be mad at your doctor or frustrated. I guess you can be frustrated because it is frustrating. This whole thing is frustrating. But you need to ask. You need to be your own advocate. Nowadays, doctors really don't have the time to take to say, all right, let's get down to the root cause of this and figure out really what's going on. They have a million other patients. They have insurance quotas to meet, time lengths that they could only you know visit with you for a certain amount of time. So there's so many things that can impact. And so the question comes down to how do you talk to your doctor to get the right information? So you bring the, bring them in stuff. So say, hey, I learned this you know on Instagram, which they might be like, ha ha, Instagram. You guys, there is so much helpful stuff out there about, on Instagram. Like, I have moved mountains and things that I've needed uh, to figure out versus going to, you know, my doctor. So I'm not saying Instagram is the end-all be-all either, but talk to your doctor. See if your doctor is open to learning about what you have to say. You can always get a second opinion. Um, and you can always do your own research and be your own advocate. And trust your intuition because if you're feeling like, this is something that you're struggling with, you don't have to have your doctor's permission or okay to say like, all right, you have hypothalamic amenorrhea because they may not give you that diagnosis even after showing them everything that you have learned, maybe even bringing the book, no period, now what, to them. You know, they may still not, you know, give you that confirmation. And so, you know, you need to do what's best for yourself. Be open and honest with your doctor, and if you need to get a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth, that's fine too. And the next question is, you know, what do you do moving forward? I always say trust your intuition. If you feel like there's something more, there's something that your doctor is missing, you can be, again, be your own advocate. I'm going to come back to being your own advocate. And try to look at your yours and your doctor's relationship as a partnership working together. Uh, but again, you don't need to have your doctors okay to be able to pursue really honing in on your relationship with food and your relationship with exercise. Because HA really comes down to that at least mostly with the women I work with is that we've had a very rigid or I don't even want to call it rigid, but we we think we're doing the best and most healthiest thing for our bodies and we're exercising daily. And so it's really addressing those lifestyle factors, the stress that comes if you miss a workout, the stress and if you're eating, you know, quote unquote, something bad. So those are the things that you, you don't need permission and that you can work on this yourself or get the support uh, to do that. I really hope you guys found this episode helpful and educational into kind of just what to to look out for and to just hear past clients, audience members of mine that have struggled and thus, you know, not getting the right information at the right time has prolonged, you know, their health or um, prolonged their ability to have children if that's uh, something that they're seeking. So let me know if after hearing this, there's other more bizarre things that you have heard from your medical professional. Um, and I'd love to share it here in another episode or on my Instagram. Thank you all for listening in today. 
Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. We know there are a lot of pods out there and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.